Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Press Box series, a show in which I'm joined by a guest from our fantastic website, football.london. I'm very happy to be joined by Kaya. Kainak, how are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? I'm good, mate. Thank you very much for having me on. My face appears to be glowing. Uh, I guess that's <laughs> the, the sort of the results that have gone in Arsenal's favour this weekend. So I, I think we'll, we'll take that as a good sign. You're enlightened with Arsenal positivity uh, today, <laughs> is what it is. Um, no, it's great to have on the show, Matt, as always. We haven't caught up since that Wolves win. Um, obviously, a really fantastic result and a great end to the game. And also, since Man United decided to just, you know, drop the ball in their entire season, uh, it seems, which is also great to see. Speaking of which, how are you feeling now about the top four race? Are you, you tempted to call Arsenal favourites at this stage? I think I might have already called Arsenal favourites on here, mm. to be fair. Um, I've been tempted like for a while now. The light is shining on you so favourably. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I've, I've been, I've been low-key confident for a while now. I haven't wanted to say it with too much, I guess, gusto just for fear of recriminations when it all inevitably goes wrong. But I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's looking pretty positive for Arsenal. I think we do have to bear in mind that before Arsenal get ahead of themselves, those games in hand are against Spurs, Chelsea and Liverpool. So none of them are givens by any chance. But I think you can probably expect Man U to drop more points before the end of the season. Spurs will drop more points, West Ham, Wolves, etc. And yeah. if Arsenal can keep on carrying on at the rate they've been doing, beating pretty much every team you'd expect them to beat so far in the Premier League this season, except for obviously that Brentford game the first day of the season and there was the Everton one around Christmas, Burnley, I guess, in January too. But I'm struggling to remember too many results this season. Maybe not performances, but results where Arsenal have really dropped points that you would necessarily expect them to gain. So it's been positive. And if Arsenal can keep up that consistency, obviously less games than everyone else, less competitions than everyone else, it does seem like things are going in their favour. But we can't get too confident so um, it's always always a little caveat, but things looking looking pretty good for Arsenal right now in the top four race. Yeah, they are. Um, and it, it does seem to be, and, and Arsenal have done this before, well, they'll drop some bad news when things are going well. And, you know, a little bit of bad news, unfortunately, dropped for fans this morning, uh, understanding that ticket prices are set to increase by 4% for next season. Uh, that's in tune with the uh, published losses that are also expected to be released very soon uh, from obviously the effects of the pandemic and and also just the poor running of of kind of sales and, and buying and, and how much we've invested in players that haven't necessarily returned what we would hope that they would and the failure to probably sell players on too for any kind of return as well. How did you react when you saw that story? I've seen obviously an overwhelmingly negative response online to it. But my understanding of why they're doing this probably pales in comparison to your own. So do give us your uh, reaction. I don't know about that, but um, I, I, I was similar to you, uh, similar to a lot of the internet in the, the original um, reaction was pretty negative, especially when those um, figures came out from the AST, uh, which claimed that the 4% increase in uh, season ticket prices is only going to generate £3.5 million worth of revenue for Arsenal. So it's not that much when only. you consider that. Oh. Exactly, oh, exactly. Not joke. that much when you consider there's a £5.1 billion Premier League TV deal been yeah. signed recently. Mm. Obviously, Stan Kroenke is the 70th richest man in the world. So is that £3.5 million worth it for... Uh, a relationship which was really fraught last season with the Super League. I think Arsenal realised they pushed fans to the very limit and they've sort of been on the comeback ever since. And the relationship's getting better with supporters. Yeah. And I think Mikel Arteta has got a lot to do with that. The team's got a lot to do with that, the players as well. Um, is it worth risking that for the sake of 4%? Personally, I don't think so. I don't see 
at a time where, particularly in the UK, uh, the cost of living is going through the roof at the minute. Um, times yeah. are really tough for a lot of people. Season tickets are very difficult to afford at Arsenal at the best of times. I don't see why it's necessarily worth doing that for such a such a minor gain. Obviously, Arsenal have argued that with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, um, the loss of stadium revenue last season and part of the season before, that does mean that their finances have been detrimentally impacted. And we all saw how much they spent in the summer as well. But then again, Arsenal took out loans uh, from the government, took out loans from Barclays to help pay that. So we're still not 100% sure how that's going to be paid. And I don't think Arsenal necessarily have to tell us. So we'll see when the financial reports come out, which we're expecting in the coming weeks. So I'm sort of mixed on it. There are some positives. So if you're a younger person, your chances of being able to get to games are a lot better. There's a discount for people aged between 19 and 21 on season ticket prices and uh, match by match. I think that's, uh, I wouldn't want to say the percentage without knowing it off by heart, but from what I can remember, it was maybe 25. Hang on, I've got the figures in front of me from the article I wrote, but of course my internet is working, so I can't really... Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, I was yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> great, so at the minute, so yeah, sorry. But um, listen, if you're a younger person, there's, there's measures in place for 19 to 21-year-olds, there's measures in place for... Uh, I think uh, Red Cannon members who will get a 66% discount, which will be continued. Uh, there is also a 57% discount, I think, for uh, 17 to 18 year old specific type of membership. So I think that's a good thing. I think Arsenal have realised and they've 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 taken into account a lot of fan feedback on the atmosphere being better at the Emirates this season. And I think that is the demographic around the Emirates is changing a little bit. I think since the pandemic, a lot more young people are coming to those football matches. I don't know if that's just something I've personally seen or if that's maybe, mm. that I've got no stats to back it up, but I have noticed around the Emirates that the, the general age demographic of sort of, I guess, people in their late teens, early 20s seems to have gone up in recent recent uh, months. I don't know if you've maybe noticed that as well, Tom, around the yeah, Emirates. Have, yeah. yeah, so I think Arsenal are aware of that and the atmosphere has been pretty good this season, better than it's been, I personally think, in its entirety at the Emirates. So I think that's, that's positive that Arsenal are actually paying attention and they are clearly... Uh, aware of what's going on inside the Emirates Stadium. They also confirms what we reported about the stadium improvements. So the yeah. outside of the stadium, the big screen, there's the roof, uh, the turnstiles, all those kind of things. So they're aware of oh, support. Thank goodness for the turnstiles. Thank oh, goodness for that. Because getting into well, games for fans has been ridiculous. It recently. has, it has, it has. And again, that's a positive sign, I think, that Arsenal are clearly listening to those kind of things. But at the same time, um, does it require a 4% rise i don't know personally i think the yeah. timing maybe could have been a bit better as well yeah. um obviously we're expecting the finances to be pretty brutal next week so if arsenal had announced the season ticket hike after announcing massive losses personally i think that would have made a lot more sense and i think people would have been a lot more on board with it because they say look times are tough we need to make the money back mm -hmm. somehow but that's not how they've decided to do it and they're well within their rights to do so i i, I see both sides of the argument personally though i, I don't think it's worth the four percent hike and i don't think it's the right thing to do but then again you know yeah the club will always disagree with that when i well uh when i first saw the news and i was uh, trying to play devil's advocate with a few people online trying to kind of get just eke out a few more responses from when i was speaking with peter hurst who's the uh admin at uh, the mm. denmark uh football fans club for arsenal and i mean i asked how else would you generate the revenue that's needed and obviously the ast were talking as i mentioned a few things that you mentioned there and when you have the information of where they're getting their revenue from and the increase in, in, in the TV rights deals and stuff like that. And obviously when you have the fact that we have one of the richest owners in the world behind this club, 
to then kind of put that back onto the fans to be responsible for helping the club get itself out of that situation. You can understand the anger and the frustration that fans have got regarding this. Absolutely. Um, bringing it around more to, to, to on-pitch matters, sort of. We're still talking about kind of off-field matters in the sense it's a contract situation, but Mikel Arteta's contract continues to be discussed and there is a likelihood that a contract will be agreed with the Arsenal hierarchy before the end of the season, it seems. Um, there's certainly reports that have come out from other outlets suggesting that that is the case and that Arsenal are preparing to offer Arteta this extension. How do you feel around the idea of, of offering this extension before the end of the season? Because there is still a lot that could change between now and the end of the campaign. Arsenal could finish fourth, they could finish eighth. Like, it's, it's very possible that these things can change. Yeah, um, that for me, if I... I I haven't seen those reports myself, so I'm not sure okay. what the source is. But I, th I think it would seem a bit strange, I think, to go early on the contract offer. Um, personally, I think Arteta doesn't want to be dealing with that right now himself anyway. From his comments in the press, he seems to be very focused on just the team and then all the contract stuff will be sorted in the summer. But it does need to be sorted. We do forget, though, that managerial contracts aren't like player contracts. So, yeah, you know... If another club wants to poach Mikel Arteta, they're going to poach him, whatever the fee is. If, if Arsenal want to sack him, they're going to sack him. The sort of the compensation fee isn't really going to come into it, especially when you consider Mikel Arteta's wages are significantly lower than some of the, the coaches at the, the big, big clubs. You think of Pep, uh, Klopp, Conte, probably at Spurs. Uh, imagine what Tuchel's on at Chelsea. So I don't think Arteta's on anywhere near that right now. So um, I, I wouldn't say there's a pressing concern to get that deal over the line straight away. I think if Arsenal want to focus on contract situations, there's, there's maybe players they'd want to focus on first instead of mm. uh, the manager. But listen, um, I think Mikel Arteta has earned himself a new contract. I think it's a weird one where Arsenal may not finish inside the top four this season, but I think, as, as we've spoken about this before, I think you and me, mm. about how it would be a tough sell to suggest that it has been a good season, even if Arsenal don't come top four. But personally, I think it has been, and I think the club is moving in the right direction under him as a manager. And you're looking at who you bring in to replace him. Don't see a lot out there right now. So I think it will get done. Um, I think more than likely, from what we reported in Football at London, what I personally have heard around the club, it seems to be that they, they want to get it done. I, I didn't know about the the before the season. Um, as far as I was aware, they were sort of going to come to it in the summer. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, if, if Arsenal are able to extend his contract whenever they do it, I think that'll be good business for the club. It, let's, let's play devil's advocate for the worst case scenario and Arsenal finish outside the European places. Obviously, there will be a lot of backlash from supporters and there'll be an argument that, again, the club would not have progressed despite the fact that they've definitely improved the squad and things have, have got better. There is still a chance that Arsenal could, you know, their form could dip. They could get hit by bad results. Injuries could hit that cost them points in, in key positions. Do you still think that offering him that new deal outside, finishing outside those top six places would make sense? Uh I know it's a tough one. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a fair one as well, though. Um, I think it would require a spectacular collapse for Arsenal to finish outside of the top six right now. Yeah. So if that does happen, then maybe you're thinking about uh, someone else coming in. At the same time, all of Arsenal's transfer plans have been made with Mikel Arteta as manager in mind. Uh, all the scouting, all that kind of stuff has been done. I know Arsenal are building a club a model right now that's sort of future-proof so that if Arteta does end up leaving, then they'll be able to, um, to to deal with that. So we'll see. I think it'll be interesting. Um, maybe you're looking at a, 
different situation there. But at the same time, I think it's unlikely that Arsenal are going to have to deal with that issue. So I, I totally get why, why the question is being asked. And I think it's a very fair question. Um, if that were the case, then maybe you'd have to have a different conversation about um, the contract. But personally, I can't see that happening. I can't see Arsenal finishing outside of the top six as things stand. So um, I can't personally see that being an issue. But, you know, things change very quickly yeah. in football. So who knows? I hope they don't. Uh, I'm desperately <laughs> we're hoping that Arsenal do finish in that top four because it would be a huge bonus considering what kind of the expectations were at the beginning of, of the season, especially after those first three matches. Um, regarding the last topic to discuss and, and sticking kind of around the futures of individuals at Arsenal, Nicolas Pepe found his way back into the Arsenal team against Wolves. Uh, brilliant impact from the bench. Great goal, great turn and finish. And of course, forced the pass through to Lacazette, which led to the, the winner as well at the end of the game. And, and Saka probably comparatively to some of his previous performances was a little bit under what we've come to expect from Saka in the last few games. I thought that he wasn't as impactful as we maybe have seen him in recent weeks. And maybe has opened the door ajar to Nicolas Pepe getting some more opportunities between now and the end of the season. How do you see the Pepe story running out this season and where it might end in the summer regarding either remaining or being sold? I think if Nicolas Pepe is going to start for Arsenal, it'll be on the left wing rather than the right, just because I think Bakaya Saka is has reached undroppable status. Mm. It's a word it's a word we like to use in our headlines quite a lot of football at London, but uh, I think undroppable is what you describe Bakaya Saka as. I don't think he'll ever not be in the starting lineup if he's fit between now and the end of the season. I think that's just going to be the case. He's Arsenal's best player. It makes the most sense for him to be playing. So as good as Nicola Pepe was off the bench, and I personally thought he was really good off the bench. He looked really mm. pumped up, like really motivated to actually make a difference. And sometimes when Pepe comes on, he can seem a bit out of it, a bit sort of, not. I don't want to say disinterested, but disengaged from the game. Whereas on uh, Thursday night, he seemed on it from the, from the very get-go. So that was good. Um, left wing is where I see him probably making an impact. Or maybe you, you swap Saka over to the left wing, which is what Arsenal did on Thursday. And you play Pepe on the right, that could work. I, I was a little mm. disappointed with Martinelli uh, above being yeah, disappointed. I wasn't disappointed with Saka, actually. I thought he just got tired as the game went on, but... I thought Martinelli was poor on Thursday. So we don't know uh, how long Mesmero's illness is going to last. We don't know whether he'll be back for Watford. Maybe uh, Nicola Pepe could have an impact in that game. But it's a tricky one. As good as he was on Thursday, I don't think it'll be enough for him to start against Watford, which is weird, but um, it's mm. unfortunate for him. It's an unfortunate quirk of the sort of the strength and depth Arsenal have in those wing positions right now. But listen, if he's happy to sort of have this attitude change that Mikel Arteta has spoken about and happy to continue that kind of form, then I'm definitely on board with that because I think he is one of the few Arsenal players who can sort of uh, offer the goal-scoring threat. And I think you wrote a piece about this, Tom, about the uh, sort of the, the goal-scoring threat that Aubameyang has left behind. I think Nicola Pepe can sort of make yeah. up for that in, with what he's got. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, but I can't see him starting. I can see him coming off the bench and hopefully scoring more goals for Arsenal. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up that Aubameyang point. Um, I wrote a piece today about kind of the record of Arsenal with and without him. It's caused a little bit of a stir on social media. This one has been a fair few responses to it. Um, but the stats are is that with Aubameyang this season, the 14 Premier League games since he came back in against Chelsea off the bench, of course, Arsenal have scored 18 goals uh, from those 14. Since he was dropped, so after that uh, Everton game and against Southampton being the first game since then, in the nine games, we've scored 20 goals uh, and it kind of shows the difference in in output he's gone to Barcelona he's scoring goals uh five and six I think it is now across all competitions 
and, and that's led to, you know, some people raising the view that maybe Arteta simply wasn't getting the best from him. How do you view the scenario and what's your view on kind of those statistics when you see the difference in output from Arsenal when he's not in the team? So I've seen some takes which have seemed to have suggested that Aubameyang wasn't putting a shift in for Arsenal or wasn't trying. Mm. I, I don't believe that. I think Aubameyang was trying. I think he's a good guy. I think he he's it's a dissimilar situation from the Mesut Ozil situation. A lot of people have made that comparison, which in my opinion is a false one, where after mm. the contract, yes, both their forms dip, but I think they dip for different reasons. I don't think Aubameyang was necessarily... Um, a lack of trying, whereas I think Ozil had a real attitude problem, which did sort of plague his final days at Arsenal. Um, as for whether Arteta was getting the best out of him, I guess you could say no, but why should he have to get the best out of him if he's not a player who fits into the tactics he feels gets the best out of the team? I think I've worded that poorly, but uh, hopefully that... No, I know what you mean, as point. in... If look, if if the best way to get, you know, if, if the way to get the best from Abamyang is to play completely differently to how ten other players on the pitch yeah. are playing, why change that for a thirty-two year old that has been evidently declining in the last season and a half? Yeah, that's that's my thoughts on it. Um I think I was I was expecting Abamyang to do as well as he's done at Barcelona. He's basically yeah. his job is to run in behind, uh, be up front, be in the box, be a poacher, get on the end of Adama Traoré's crosses, get on the end of the work Ferran Torres does, run on to balls from Frankie de Jong and Pedri and Gavi. So that team is totally geared towards his way of playing. And it doesn't mean that Aubameyang is an, a better player or that Arsenal have necessarily made a mistake because he's going and doing well elsewhere. There's plenty of other players where he just hasn't worked at a certain club, but that doesn't make them a, a bad player. So... I think maybe that's a little bit of a simplistic analysis for people who are maybe being um, critical of Arteta for um, not keeping him or maybe not getting the best out of him. But also, Arsenal are winning games right now. So hmm. they weren't necessarily winning as frequently before. They are winning now. It's a really strange sort of um, mindset. Maybe it feels like some people are looking for sticks to beat Arsenal and the Arsenal manager with. And um i personally am not not a fan of that approach um listen i'm not going to tell people how to support their club everyone can engage with how the team how they want but i just think listen if you want to if you can't find joy in the fact that arsenal are winning games as dramatically as they won on thursday night because of the fact that pierre mccabamang wasn't there or mm. the fact that your favorite player wasn't starting then um Reassess. I, I, don't, I don't really know where you can reassess yeah i think it's, yeah. it's the right way to go about it i i agree with you look the piece was written because it was there was so much reaction and obviously there's been some quite high profile people mentioning and I don't really want to bring up the person's name on social media about Abamyang specifically um, and that's obviously caused quite a, a significant amount of backlash. I think that the way in which Arteta has sculpted and cultivated this team to be a, a group that's united and together and everyone's singing off the same hymn sheet is giving us the the most that we can get from the current crop. And it's a current crop that are without, if we're honest, a world-class striker. Lacazette's doing a great job with what he's, he's you know, tasked to do. But three Premier League goals from Arsenal striker for a team that want to get into the top four at this point in the season isn't good enough. And we yeah. do need more from a striker. And obviously, Aubameyang prior to leaving only had four goals in the Premier League as well. And so even seven across the two of them is not enough from the first half of the season. If you want, you look at the, the output of Kane, you look at the output... Uh, of a number of players in Manchester City's team because obviously they don't play of an out-and-out -out striker. And you look at the output of someone like Mohamed Salah. If you want to be up there and competing with these teams, you need to be putting in the numbers. And I think that maybe
maybe why Chelsea are where they are, despite the fact that Lukaku and Werner haven't been able to hit form, is because teams like Arsenal and Manchester United haven't necessarily had the goals that they've needed from their forwards this season. Um, we're going to wrap things up there, Kaya. Uh, we've, co- we've covered a lot of topics, obviously, in such a short space of time. But thank you so much, mate, for coming on, as always. Tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. That's my pleasure. Um, on Twitter, at KayaKan97. Facebook is Kaya Kainat Journalist. And of course, you can find all my articles on the London website, working on a piece about Nicola Pepe, who, of course, we've t- spoken about today. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Sort of the contract situation that seems to be coming up with him. A uh, bit of a transfer dilemma facing Mikel Arteta and Arsenal. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, hopefully, my, my Wi Fi recovers in time to be able to actually get that done uh, before the end of today. We'll hopefully, <laughs> we'll see. But uh, yeah, there's there's that coming and there's plenty of other stuff. So uh, keep an eye out on everything that's coming up there. Brilliant stuff. Thank you again. Drop a like on the video if you've enjoyed the show and subscribe to the channel. We're closing in our 10,000 target. So please do sub if you haven't done so already. We'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way.